Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 100. Today we're going to bring you back through time. We're going to listen a little bit to episode one. We'll have episode one at the end. Jonathan and I are going to have a little chat. And then finally, we're going to get into the main course, which Jonathan did on Blab. So without further ado, let's get into this long but uh, interesting episode of WP-Tonic. WP-Tonic, episode one. I'm Bill Conrad with Jonathan Dinwood, and together, through WP Tonic, we're going to take you on a tour of WordPress you won't forget. In today's show, we're going to introduce ourselves, introduce the show, and do a deep dive into seven plugins. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. Hey, this is Bill coming back with you. We're going to put uh, episode one at the end of this podcast, so yeah, a little bit extra to listen to today. Hey, with that, let's get to the little episode with Jonathan and I. Then we'll get to the main show and the guest, which is a new co-host, which is John Locke, of course, with Jonathan. And we're going to bring Morton back on the show. Well, enjoy and enjoy and enjoy. And folks, this is Bill. I will come on from time to time. But as you learn, I've got new things on the horizon. Just don't have quite enough time to do four podcasts anymore. And I will very, very, very much miss being on WP Time. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 100, episode 100, episode 100, episode 100, episode 100, episode 100. Oh, it sounds like a broken record. Just a little bit. It's like a, it's like a voice from the past, isn't it? I am back. Hey, folks, so you know what I'm up to. It's episode 100. Actually, <laughs> after I saw the psych, they said I could uh, go to the police academy. So I'm starting the police academy July 11th, and I'll be working like for four and a half, five months straight through without much time to do much podcasting. But I have written a course in the meantime, and uh, you know this is episode 100. Got Jonathan on. When we started, I knew nothing of WordPress per se, and Jonathan, I don't think you knew a lot about uh, podcasting. What do you think? No, I didn't, Bill. No, no. Bill, Bill persuaded me. We met at a WordPress meetup in Reno, and um, Bill had just recently moved to Reno and I was quite heavily um, involved in the meetup running it with a couple other people and he just came up to me and he said "Um, I've really got into this podcasting Jonathan you know have you considered it and I had before but I just kind of pushed it to one side and it was with Bill's encouragement that we started the show wasn't it Bill? Yep, it's been a good show. And what I've also learned is working with somebody on a show, you actually do have better chances of producing a better show. And uh, we've made new and noteworthy on the real estate show. And then on this show, we've had good numbers and really a great, good number of really experts in the WordPress community across the world. So it's been really nice to meet all those folks. But I'll tell you what, I've been working hard for in WordPress for two years. <laughs> There's a lot to it, isn't there? Um, well, the, you know, you say WordPress, it, it's just um, a mixture of HTML, CSS, PHP, um, SQL, and a bit of JavaScript all mixed up in one package, isn't it, Bill? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I'm, it's fun, though. Right now, my homework, my study right now is the uh, Beginner's Guide to WordPress Actions and Filters. And this is two years later. 
Yeah, because uh, Bill's a, a big connoisseur of Genesis, um, so he's studying there. So what we plan, folks, is that um, Bill um, Bill um, was my co-host for almost 96 episodes of um, WP Tonic. Obviously, because of Bill's commitments, um, John Locke agreed to um, become my co-host, but Bill's still part of the family. And in this episode... Um, we thought um, Bill, I asked Bill to come back with me to do the introduction because he's been a big part of building the show up. And then in the uh, main part of the show, folks, we've got another friend of the uh, podcast, um, Morton Hendrickson from lynda.com. He was, he joined us on episode 50, didn't he, Bill? Yes, he, uh, at least 50. He's been on a few times. He's been on the round table, and he's actually a pleasure to have on. So it's, it's, we're going to have tonight, we'll put this together. We'll put a little bit of episode one in there, and uh, things should do well. Hey, you know, in, in tying this together, because this is a little intro, I'm sort of the, I came in the end of the podcast, and you've been really busy. I'm busy too, of course. But uh, let's talk about WordCamp. You're gonna, I'm bummed out. I'm not going to go down to WordCamp Orange County, which is one of the best WordCamps going, I understand. But you're going down, and you're going to stay with my uh, sister and mom. <laughs> Are you out there counting me, then? Yeah, I start the next day. Uh, that work camp's the 9th and the 10th. Oh, I start yeah. on the 11th, so I don't want to be pushing the edge. No. It's going to be a tough academy. I'm a little older than most, like by 20 years or 10 years or 15 years, whatever. And uh, it's something I've wanted to do, and it'll be good. I've got two young girls who are 14 and 16, and I am making a little bit of money online, but, uh, and I've got retirement from the military, but the girls are expensive. And my wife yes. is making money in real estate, but uh, I need some security for a while, and I'll continue to work on the online course. One, one plug for what I'm doing right now, to celebrate the 100th, I'll probably, I'm, I've got a course called, uh, you have to go to um, Netcast School. It's netcastschool.com, and I've got, you can join the <laughs> WordPress 100, not WordPress, but um, Podcasting 100 uh, course. It's a basic course. We're trying to streamline it, show folks how you can do a podcast using Google Plus Hangout, a nice and simple, easy way to do it. So that's what that course is about, and then there's membership, and I think that's going to grow. But I'll tell you what, the most important element of that, not only getting the content of right, but really is understanding a great WordPress system and how it all ties together and works. And we're using people we've had on our show, and that is Lifter LMS plugin. It's a great product, isn't it, Bill? It has a lot of potential. In fact, I'm going to show you two schools. I've got three going um, tonight when we're done with this. We're going to bring you up on the on the school. So that and for, just celebrate five bucks for a couple days if you want to join. And that 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 one on one will get very good. It'll be real simple to podcast. Not simple. Yeah, well, saying I'm going to say, folks, um, there's not much about podcasting that Bill doesn't know, and I've seen him develop the course, and he plans to. It's a great offer because he plans to really build it out, and he, I'm going to be part of it as well. He's going to he's going to use me as a as a kind of dummy. Um, so we're going to go through some of the initial courses with me, and um, you plan to really build it out, but for it to be really good value, don't you, Bill? Yeah, I'm building the. I mean, the podcasting 101 is going to include. The uh, how to do it with Google Plus Hangout and then make it into a podcast. And I'm eventually going to make that even a free course, going to move it over on to YouTube as free and then improve on the content and keep it up well. Because, you know, Google, Google Hangout changes constantly, so I want a really nice, clean, updated Google Hangout on that. But I've enjoyed it. I think I'm going to actually, I've really, really enjoyed, I enjoyed podcasting the people. 
I've actually enjoyed building the WordPress sites and uh, actually building these courses. So that said, Jonathan, you're going to work on your SaaS product. You're going to get more people on. So what's going to happen in the next 100 shows? Um, if there's, um, it, I think what people don't realize Bill does um, is there's a lot of work involved in um, running a podcast. Obviously, I do it, folks, because um, I like building relationships because business is really all about relationships, and it helps with the business side of WP Tonic. Um, uh, you know, um, I hope to get more engagement from the audience, Bill, get people to comment more. That's one of the reasons why I do like Blab, because we do a, a, a weekly podcast, which we don't use Blab. We use Google Hangout based on Bill's advice, and it and he's totally right. At the present moment, it's the most easiest, and it provides the best sound quality. And then on Saturdays, we do a blab. And um, if the blab isn't too bad sound-wise, we also turn that into a podcast. But my main reason to do the blab, folks, on Saturday, and please do join us, um, we do it from um, 10 and ten a.m. to 12 noon, Pacific Standard Time, is that people can just listen to us. And then in the second hour, they can ask us questions, come on, um, and be active with me and John and or and some of the um, panel that joins us on the first hour um, stay with us and it's just a great way of interact interacting with our audience um, so that's one of the reasons why I do that Bill yep hey you know um, we got to tie this up because we've got this you'll have Morton on here and this will be a long show it'll probably be about 45 minutes and we're going to produce this tonight it's Saturday night I'm going to put this up tonight before I go to bed and it'll be edited as well. well as I just want to—I just want to say I've put it in the notes as well. Bill, is that um, thank you so much for being. You know, obviously Bill will be coming back, but, but because of his police commitments, yeah. it only be periodically. Um, but Bill, um, thank you so much for your support over the the past couple of years and getting me involved in podcasting and helping me co-host the show that. Um, has become really quite popular in the WordPress community, hasn't it, Bill? Absolutely. You know, another thing, too, is still working on is the real, you know, my wife's real estate broker. Jonathan and I are working on some real estate projects. You don't know this, Jonathan, but I was working on Facebook quite a bit today. Oh, great. I really worked the sites. I'm really, that Facebook, there's a lot of good information there online. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's a, I'm a great believer, folks, because um, I've got the WordPress business, but i also got a SaaS product in the real estate marketing and we do a podcast with that, and hopefully, Bill, um, when he gets the when he gets the academy over, will come on the uh, real estate show um, yeah. more, a fair bit because him and his wife have got over twenty years' experience in the real estate industry. In between uh, wars, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Bill, to wrap up this part of the show, is there any of the 96 episodes that we did, Bill, are there any kind of highlights that come to your mind? Uh, the two, two. Um, one is three, I'm going to say three things. One is I'd like to come back on after two years and look at the plugins that I actually use. I built a WordPress site today for somebody. And I've got about, I used to talk about only having like five plugins. I must have about 14 plugins now on my yeah. standard. <laughs> 
It's nothing. It's the quality. It's not. It's yeah. actually not it's the volume. The and they're good. And they're expensive. You know, half, a third of those I pay big bucks for those licenses. Yeah. And it's so quality. I'd like to talk about that. So I always like the basic plug-in uh, discussions. But the other one I can think of too, other than Morton and all the fun people that have been on the show. I mean, everybody. But the, when I when I yodeled a couple times at the start of the show, <laughs> is that is your highlight of the ninety-six episode, Bill? You yodeling? Come on, Bill. There must be. Is there any of the interviews that have stuck in your mind, or is it all merged together? No, they're all they're all really good. I can't pick one person or the other. Morton's. I mean, everyone is good. All of the fine people we've met and the people at work camps. I look. The, uh, it was fun going to word camps and people recognize you. That's a blast. That was a blast, wasn't it? People, yeah, a couple uh, times. Yeah. And down in, uh, I'm sure in Orange County, they'll know you down there. Well, they're a hardcore bunch. They're a tough bunch that go to that, Bill. I, might, uh, I, love, I loved LA. I loved LA and uh, Orange County I'm going to miss next year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, next year. I only so we better, we better wrap this up. But like I say, um, Bill, thank you for your help with the podcast. I really hope the police academy, um, because of your military ex- experience, I, I think they're getting a quality candidate. A bit bolshy, but quality. Yeah, uh, do, I hope to, hope to work in some other areas in communications, you know, after you do patrol time and in uh, cyber cyber information. I, I, this is an amazing platform that we have right here. Hey, Jonathan, with that, let's, let's say, let me sign off, and, but I'll be back on the end of this show. And, um, I don't know if I'll be on during the Academy, but maybe. Who knows? See how it goes. You're always welcome. Okay. Thanks, Jonathan. Aloha. Aloha. Okay, folks. We're going to get in the real episode. Episode 100 with Morton and John Locke and, of course, Jonathan. (laughs) I don't don't actually know where to start on that. That It's just uh, such a big... uh, uh, So, just do what I do, just blank. I think, uh, just, everyone who works in. with WordPress kind of knows that we're we're um, moving into this uh, uh, shift when it comes to how WordPress is being operated because of the ever upcoming API <laughs> that seems to get endlessly pushed into the future. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like the Mary Celeste. Yeah, it's, it's like, the it's like pushing Celeste, on the horizon constantly, but also because of how um, the the web at large is changing in terms of how people use it. And uh, if if you look outside of the WordPress island and look at what's happening in the rest of the web world, you'll very quickly see that this idea of APIification, APIification of everything is. Um, becoming a very strong trend simply because the way we interact with anything that connects to the internet now, even today, is fundamentally different from how we connected to the internet just a year ago. And the technologies that are on the horizon that are coming, with or without the WP API, will uh, more drastically change this. The expectations that the uh, internet-using public has in terms of how to access information on the internet, whether that be through the web or some other means, has also changed. And we are kind of at this... um, There's a demarcation line somewhere. It's a little hard to see where it is right now, but somewhere there will be a line that we're crossing where we go from this idea of we build these pages that live on the internet that are dynamically generated by WordPress to a point where people will want to gain 
access to parts of information on your site, but maybe not the whole site, and then commingle that with other information and make it into something else. Uh, and the it, it's kind of curious to watch what's happening because we end up with this very strong um, divide in terms of how the web is being handled. So we have the traditionalist web approach, which is we still build web pages or websites that are dynamically generated and all that stuff, but they're still, they live on the web. And at the same time, we have to build solutions that are accessible without the web, where we, the people who build the content, don't have any control over how it's being uh, displayed on the other end. So the idea is you currently use WordPress to populate a database, then you, the visitor uses WordPress to access that content, and then you can intervene and put a ton of plugins and a theme in between there to control what it looks like and how it behaves. Whereas in the future, you would use Publish to publish to put content into the database, then people will choose whether they want to use your theme and your plugins to access that content, or if they just want to come at it from some other angle and pull out just what they need. That is a thing I think a lot about right now. All oh, right. Well, you lost me, Morton. But no, 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 no. Um, I think I get the drift because well, I think, I think, yeah. Um, I just put this too. I think one, one. I think what you're trying to say, um, in a way, is that we've got this trend where it's all going to be a kind of mashup. You know, where it all comes from all different places, and using all different APIs, and it, like I say, use the term. It's it's, it's going to be one big mashup. But then you've got the kind of traditional model where it's WordPress, Joomla, I don't know what it is, where you you still dynamic web pages, mm-hmm. but the reality is uh, it's kind of yeah, moving on to this glorified mashup. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, and, and I can see that happening. I was like trying. Where, what do you reckon, John? Uh, where we John. think of like a traditional website is kind of uh, expanding because the web is just more than like websites now. It's also apps. It's also... Uh, you know, these databases with APIs that are accessed and used by like other websites. And so I think what you're trying to say, Morton, is in the very near future, like your traditional website is only going to, that's going to be like just one of many places where you can access, um, you know, published content. And <laughs> that same information is, is going to be sliced and diced and shipped out to like different places. And you see that already happening. Like with, you know, like social networks, you see that happening all the time, like with their APIs, the same thing happening in, in all sorts of other applications on the web. Yeah. And, and the, the, the thing that it's, it's kind of hard to talk about this because the great thing about WordPress is we've, we've established an island where we control everything. The problem with that island is it doesn't necessarily uh, have any connections to what's happening in the rest of the world. And uh, it creates this, we've created this in, incredible ecosystem that's completely self-sufficient and that um, is strong enough to uh, entice people to come onto the island and stay on the island and just be on the island and think that that's all there is. And what I'm starting to see is uh, it's almost like the island is calving off parts of itself, uh, and those parts are going to drift quite far away from the island itself. And we're going to end up seeing this weird fracturing where you, on the one hand, have the people who use WordPress proper the way it is right now, 
um, and will continue to do that until the end of time. And then you have the other side of it, which are people who will use WordPress mainly as a means for accessing a database because it's a simple means for accessing a database. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because the interests of these two groups are vastly different. They, they're also two very different types of people because uh, the vast majority of the people who use WordPress, as far as I know, and this is based on zero information and just like random hapstands guessing and stuff like that. What is it called? Educated guessing. Um, I think the majority of people who use WordPress, if you think about using WordPress as published content through some form of platform that is run on WordPress, I would say the majority of those people most likely only know of WordPress in as far as it's a thing I use to publish content. And if you took WordPress away and put something else in their place, they wouldn't necessarily care that that happened because as long as it serves the same function, right? It's just a publishing tool. Uh, the people who are looking at these other types of uh, ways of using WordPress are the people that are really heavily involved in development. And their interests lie in expanding WordPress into a completely different realm to target it towards uh, enterprise, to target it towards large institutions, to target it towards all these other things. And the interests of those two groups are vastly different because the uh, people who use WordPress mainly as a publishing tool, their only interest is publishing content and having that content seen. They don't necessarily care how that happens. The only thing they care about is if you take away some functionality that makes it harder for them and then make it harder for them to publish their content or connect to people, right? So like a lot of people are on WordPress.com and if WordPress.com made it harder for people to like repost their content or see updates of other people they follow or something like that, that would be a disaster for WordPress.com. But for WordPress uh, self-hosted sites, that functionality does not exist to begin with. So there's nothing to take away there. It's kind of the same where you look at, <clears throat> if you assume that the majority of people who use WordPress use it mainly as a publishing platform, and then you shift focus over towards what should we do to um, uh, target big business or uh, enterprise solutions, and how do we make that better, that m almost invariably will water down the features that the majority of users want to use. So, uh, I think earlier this year or maybe last, late last year or something, I published this article about how we know nothing about the WordPress user, um, where I basically state that uh, in, you know, when we, we, the people in this room right now who are talking about WordPress, or if you go to a WordCamp, or if you go to a WordPress forum, or if you go to advanced WordPress on Facebook or anywhere where people talk in a, you know, in a fairly educated way about WordPress, that is the 1% of the WordPress community. These are the highly, highly involved people who know everything about WordPress, yeah. who know how to influence how WordPress evolves, and who knows enough to say, you could literally call them up on the street and say, hey, I'm having an issue with uh, tags that are not showing up properly. And they might be able to rattle off an answer without even looking at the interface. That is the 1%, or maybe the 1% of the 1% of WordPress users. And these are people that make every decision about what is happening to WordPress. And no one is asking <clears throat> the rest of the users, the majority, 
what they want because there's no method for them to for us to get in touch with them or for them to get in touch with us the assumption being that because wordpress is this open source thing that everyone has just developed and you know you put into it what you get out of it and you know this is the thing that we all build together that works fine when it's a tiny little project that 10 people are involved in but when there's what is it like 50 million sites on the web they're not 50 million contributors there isn't there's maybe a percentage of that that actually contribute actively in any way. And that then I say contribute as in show up at some random event at some point or ask one question in a forum at some point in time. That would then classify as contributing if you want to make it 1%. So we're making <clears throat> a lot of decisions about all of these people without knowing anything about them. And that's becoming an issue because whenever like I interface with a lot of um, what would be classified as WordPress users, who are not part of this 1% group. And basically, anytime a major change happens to WordPress, it is a, an extremely disruptive thing for the end user, usually because they don't know anything about this change. It, it hasn't been communicated to them. They don't know to go and look at like the make blog and read these epic things that get published there all the time. There, there's, they, have no, they have no reason to... to seek out this kind of information. See, John Locke got so bored, he left. <laughs> but like, they, 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 don't, they have no way of knowing. They have no influencing. And we're not actively doing anything to find out anything about these people at all. There's no, there's no effort being made to reach out to the actual end user because it costs money and it takes time and it's an enormous project and it would, it's tedious. And I think what we need in the project as a whole is actually an investment in looking at other people, like actually like investing in social sciences, do research about WordPress, find out who the real users are and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that might happen. I don't know. But, you know, there's there so many pieces to that. We have to figure out how are we going to fund it? Who's going to run it? What is the scope of this project? Who, who, like, how, how does this even come about? So I, what I proposed was because we have such, uh, because WordPress, the platform, has such an enormous reach across boundaries, across borders, across cultures, across everything, I would imagine the WordPress project would be a tremendous um, uh, source of data for social scientists. And I proposed that we, the community, reach out to social scientists and say, hey, we have a community that you can research that is multicultural, multi-ethnic, multinational, multi-everything, that you can reach and you can look at how they use the internet, how they use the internet to publish things, how they use the internet to connect with each other. There, there's all this data available and I think what we can do is reach out to social sciences and say, you should do this. We will give you some sort of access to this information um, and bake you into our community and allow you to gather data. And what we want out of it is actual data about the people who use this platform so we can develop a better platform. Um, and I hope that we can figure out a way of funding that, either through the foundation or through some sort of, I don't know, project or whatever, but that we can actually gather money and doing do an effort to find out about the people who use WordPress to bring it forward the way that people would like it to be. Well, I think that, that that's they're great insights, uh, Morton. But 
Uh, I think we've had uh, there's two aspects of what you just said. Um, the um, the community aspect, you know, obviously um, WordPress, uh, and to some extent I would agree with this, is a very open community and seems to um, accept people quite readily. But also it's a very enclosed community, so it's a very contradictory, um, especially the top echelon in any group of people um, that, that any kind of society, organisation of any kind, when it's been around for 13 years, there's a hierarchy that gets established. And <laughs> it's definitely a hierarchy. I'd like to see you get someone to agree to that. <laughs> um, so, um, so, you know, they like, they, you know, there's many people in WordPress that deny that, but it, it's definitely true. But I think when you're um, and you know on air and in private, we've had some discussions about how that can be dealt with. Because I think when you have a very small inner group, and they might they might be doing things for the really the best um, reasons possible, but I still feel it's not the best situation when you've just got a small group of people making such large decisions. But I think the other point I like to get to is uh, about um, you know where the internet's going and where WordPress is going is that I think I think you mentioned it last time when you when you were on the show um, I think it was episode fifty when we had a mammoth two parter um, is that um, a lot of this is um, driven by. Mm. expectations like from Facebook, Twitter, these enclosed systems, the the way they're, um, you know, the way that they're easy to use for the for somebody much more quick, easier to use than WordPress. And especially on mobile devices, all the resources they're thrown, they give this kind of false impression. Uh, I was with a user yesterday using an application that – that we've built and I could tell that mm-hmm. they weren't satisfied with the speed of because they had to log into the back end of WordPress and they had to refresh yeah. a couple of things and they were a little bit impatient mm-hmm. because they're used to Facebook they're used to instant refreshment you know instant you know press and almost and I just were finding well, the interface it, and how it, it was working it's, it's kind of curious clunky. when you start looking at but, the expectations so, people have about how the web works now because the general, if you ask the public, when you do the research there, I could dig up numbers on this, but I don't have any way of sharing it here. But trust me when I say this, this is actually real data. Uh, 80% of the web using public expect mobile internet to work faster than in-house internet, uh, which is on the face of it, completely insane. Because the just the fact that you're on a mobile device automatically means the connection that this thing has to the internet is slower than the connection that your computer has if you're in a house that has proper broadband internet. There's a good reason why they expect it, though, and that is they th- like, if you don't know, if no one has ever told you that when you visit Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or anything else on your phone, you're not actually visiting Twitter.com or Facebook.com or Instagram.com on your phone. You're loading up an app on your phone that uses an API to 
only pull the data elements and populate them on the fly as you're loading. So um, in essence, it's the same thing as what we're talking about with these uh, single page apps in WordPress, that you basically load up a skin and a mask, and then you can just dynamically shove in content as it loads. And sort of the same thing happens if you go to Facebook or Twitter. Um, You can see it if you go to Facebook or Twitter and you're unlucky enough that there's something wrong on the site at the time, or if you go and disable your JavaScript, you'll see that in place of content, you just get these gray boxes that illustrate that there should be content here. Um, But what's happening is people have this, uh, like, sorry, the... The um, difference between an app and the web on a mobile device is invisible. You can't actually tell if you're on a web, on an app, or on the web. Then, in addition, we have these weird thing called web apps, which kind of bridge that invisible divide and make it even harder to tell. So in some cases, when you have an app on your phone, where you're actually loading up is an HTML5 page that's, that's cached on your phone that gets populated with content on the fly on your phone. And if you app download the app, you would get the exact same experience and you would have no way of knowing whether you're on the app or on the web app. They are identical and they function identically. Um, so consumer expectations of how the web works are being altered by native apps and web apps. Now, what makes that so complicated is these new apps kind of work contrary to the intent of the internet as a whole, or rather, or especially they work counter counter to the intent of the web because they are entirely reliant on a bunch of things working in tandem. So for instance, if you go to uh, Facebook, you are reliant on the app loading, whether that's the app or the web app or whatever. Then you are aligned on JavaScript loading in the browser. And then you have to make sure that the connection is persistent with the server so that you can keep pulling new data. That also means if you reload Facebook twice, you can never get the same Facebook back because it'll always load in whatever is the freshest information. So everyone's had this experience on one of these apps, Facebook or Instagram or something like that, where you see something and then you have to refresh and then it's gone and you go, and then you have to like scroll up and down and try to find it. And it's usually disappeared altogether. And you're like, what did I? dream it did it actually happen and then three weeks later it'll reappear and you're like why is this here now i don't understand so uh, the persistence of the internet or the persistence of the web is disappearing really rapidly and a lot of people are talking about this because uh, it's dangerous (laughs) like there's all this talk about how we publish more content every day now than has ever been published in history before right there's this whole thing about like, if you take every piece of paper, like if you print out every piece of information yeah. that's published on the internet every day, and then you stack it vertically, it will go like to the moon and back or like some bizarre comparisons. Like it's like eight football fields squared in alternate reality, like, whatever. We publish an enormous amount of content on the web. Almost none of this content is persistent. Meaning if you come back to that content 10 years from now, it probably won't be there. It'll just not exist. So we're creating this um, hole in time where information archaeologists will come back and be like, we know nothing about this period of time because they didn't save anything. They made all these really fancy web apps that basically made it impossible for us to know what the hell happened because there's no continuity to it. There's no persistence to it. Nothing is actually saved. It's all kind of dynamic and in flow all the time. And everything is very ephemeral. It's concerning because 
you you we're, we're like it becomes really hard to find things out like when you look at um political scandals right the reason why political scandals can happen is because you can go back in time and look at what people have said or done or published or whatever, right? And sometimes it's stupid. It's like they go back and they say, well, when this guy was 18 years old, he wrote a letter to the editor of the random school he was at where he said something idiotic. Therefore, he is a moron at age 65, right? And it's like, well, nah, that's not how it works. Fine. But when someone does something five years ago that has ramifications today, you can go back in time and look at what was done. Um, we can't do that with a lot of things now because it's not being saved anywhere and it's not persistent. And the crazy part is our community is now actively pursuing this line of thinking that we're so aggressively pursuing this instant gratification thing and like getting everything up and making everything work really well that we're completely forgetting. The whole point here is to store information for a long period of time, not just generated on the fly immediately and then just flash at once and it's gone. And I, I don't have any solutions to this, but it's becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And I think like one of the, <clears throat> someone was asking me about this and I said, I think um, Robert M. Piercing, the author of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, um, he's once said that uh, the pen is mightier than the sword and the pencil is mightier than the pen because you can edit things that you wrote with a pencil, right? We've literally designed the perpetual pencil with the web. Everything can be edited at all times and there's no real track to follow to see that it was edited. And you can see this all the time, right? When like someone posts a blog post or anything that's super controversial and then within it, people freak out about a sentence and then they'll be like, I don't want to have this conversation. So they just go and take it out. And then it's as, it's never, as if it never happened. And you see it on like Twitter. Someone posts something really offensive on Twitter and then a ton of people respond to it and then you, they remove the offending tweet. And the only way of getting around that now and you see this all the time is people will screen grab whatever it was to like save it for perpetuity. But the thing is, I have a screen grab of the Pope saying a bunch of crazy shit that was never the Pope. It's just that you can go in in a web browser and just edit whatever's there and just make anyone say anything, right? You can make a 2000 line tweet and screen grab that and be like, ah, I know how to make long tweets, but you can like, none of this is real. You can't actually save information in a proper way anymore. And, You know, isn't this been, um, when you were saying that, the classic example was in the Soviet Union where where they had photos and as as mm -hmm. somebody upset they were um, edited them out of the Joseph photos. and they were bumped off, their, 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 their yep. image disappeared, their image disappeared from the Soviet image. Soviet Union. Yeah, sure, but you know, so now this we've a, built this you know, in as a, almost a requirement well. in our platform, right? The, int the web was designed specifically to allow everyone to share data in such a way that we could collaborate on data and reference existing data in the future. The way we're building it now is I publish something. Sorry. <coughs> I publish something. Someone can reference that, but they have no way of knowing that that reference will ever be accurate because I can just alter it at any time or take it away 
or move it to some other location. And there's no persistency to the system. So the whole system breaks down. I mean, the number of times I've seen things referenced on the internet where you can't find the original source is staggering. Where you're like, you find an image and you have no way of finding out who it came from because that website is down, right? Or you find a piece of text that reference, it says like, in this blog, it said da 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 and you go to that blog and it doesn't say that. It says something else, right? It, that happens constantly, and there's no um, there's no oversight in the system. Like in publishing, there's an oversight system. So if you make an edit to something you published, you have to explicitly say that this is an edit. Here's what it said. Now it says this. There's persistency on the web as a whole. There is no such persistency system. The only thing we have is like the Wayback Machine, which is arbitrary and doesn't always work. Uh, like we, there's a web archive. There's all these other things, but None of it uh, works properly because it all relies on how we build our sites and how we build single-page applications that are not supported by that. If you go to, what is it, that uh, music service that went belly up last year? Um, Not Spotify, but it was something similar to that. RDO. Like, yeah, RDO or like it was something like that. If you go to the web archive and you look that up, there's nothing there. It's just a white page because it's a single-page application. So there's nothing to cache. It just does not exist. It's all shadow DOM, right? So WordPress is now rapidly moving towards that end of the spectrum, which defeats the purpose of, like, in my opinion, it defeats defeats the ideal of WordPress, which is democratizing publishing because it takes away persistency and basically just pulls it apart. Well, then I think we're going to go for our um, first break and we'll be back in a moment to discuss more fascinating stuff with our um, great guest, Moulton. Back in a minute. We're coming back, folks. Um, um, hopefully, uh, Moulton's going to share some great, some more great insights hey, about the internet. Someone, and, um, there, there's like stuff happening on the side the here. Wizards uh, join us so as there's well. a person non Cassis, non Cassis. Yes, there is. Yeah, angry Super Mario. Yeah, there's a chat room too. Yes. <laughs> so non Cassis says, "I guess that's what Google is pu- uh, pushing with AMP." Yep. Yeah, I was going to mention that earlier. Uh, um, I, I'm sure John has some things to say about this too, uh, about this this idea of ownership of content. Sure, and and oh, John, go on. You know, somebody asked that too, uh, like earlier. Um, one, one of our regular listeners, uh, Christopher, said, "Is WordPress being taken over by the app writers? Is nothing more than a revenue generator?" Well, any any company, um, no matter how benevolent. Um, it, revenue is always at the root. It's it's always at the core. Um, and what you described in the last segment, like Morton, it's very like with link rot and with um, you know these uh, you know dynamic single page applications that are just generating like content on the fly. Um, it, it it leads to a situation where it's very much like a ministry of information, like a situation where nothing is, um, you know, nothing is really verifiable um, because it can always be edited. And uh, in a lot of cases, like it just disappears, you know, and, and we see that with companies being acquired, 
constantly. Um, you know, a lot of the big sites, uh, they get acquired uh, after maybe like five years. And, and so a lot of that information disappears because now they're suddenly um, uh, taken over by companies and, you know, terms of service change, uh, like your data is compromised. I, you know, your data is, you know, uh, sold off to the highest bidder. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking about John, the world in general, about, man. I'm talking about Hillary Clinton here. <laughs> yeah, we've got, um, I thought I had to mention that because we've got our, 96 um, episodes, our man. Friends and, um, I'm teaching you to podcast. You're doing a pretty darn good job. Show. And you're using the lab. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the voice of my former co regular co-host, Bill the Wizard. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, I got I got to make one statement real fast. All the folks out there, here I had a TSSCI, I worked overseas. Da da da. Um, I had to go out brief. If I had, I had fifty-four people. I had two IT managers. If I told my gave my IT manager five thousand dollars and said, "Hey, go hook up the secret into the unclass and then send it over to my BlackBerry or my I use iPhones." I would do, they'd do an investigation of 15, six, they'd find me about six weeks later, nine weeks, uh, I'd probably go to Leavenworth. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no, uh, no justice here if that's, that doesn't happen. So that's just into the politicals. You got me into politics. So I got to say, that's the only thing I'm saying from now on. Every time I go on somewhere. He's been highly political there, but uh, I feel like kind of, he's kind of, yeah, you do, Bill. But it does kind of link into what um, uh, Morton was saying. Can we send, everything, can, can we send, everything can handle yeah, can we send her to Canada? Everything's kind of temperate. temperate to the Prime Minister of Canada it? instead. I think considering the alternative, <laughs> we might all have to <laughs> You know, it's, it's no choice. There's just no choice this cycle. Right, so um, what do you... Um, Get back onto WordPress, Moulton. Um, is anything um, that really caught your eye that you're planning some courses on, or you think, you know, that really you think's really interested in the sub world of WordPress that you've been studying, maybe thinking of a, so that needs, right now that needs uh, a course that week needs and the more one, information so about it. I've been sick most of the time, so I. The, you're lucky because now I sound normal. I've my voice just disappeared last week completely. So I sounded like some sort of weird squeaking door or something. Um, but uh, I've been working on a course about uh, SVGs and how to use SVGs in different ways in, uh, in different permutations. And there's a section there on how to include them into WordPress themes and mess around with them. And I think... Uh, as- yeah, so SVGs are scalable vector graphics. Can you uh, explain so to the audience? Basically, you know how when you work with Adobe Illustrator, you instead of yeah. making a pixel graphic, you just draw splines. And then you say, so this line is going to be like five pixels thick. And then inside the line, there's going to be blue and outside the line is going to be red. Well, with SVGs, you can do the same thing in the browser. You basically just provide the browser with this XML document, which is what it is, that has a bunch of points and a bunch of splines. And then you say, so here's a path, and here's another path, and the first path is red, and the other one is orange. And then you basically get the browser to draw the graphics on the fly. It's magical. Like, SVGs are the closest thing you'll ever get to the holy grail of web graphics because they live as documents on the site. So you can, uh, the, the, the truly magical component happens when you take an SVG, which is essentially an XML document, 
and then you embed it into the live page, so inside the DOM. Because once it lives inside the DOM, you can apply JavaScript to it and alter the points. So you can animate any point within the SVG, uh, or you can apply CSS to it and just treat it like any other CSS element. So that means apply colors to the stroke, apply colors to the background or to the fill, and, and you know apply any other CSS effect you want. So you can use CSS animations on it, you can use JavaScript animations on it, um, and you basically have this crazy ability to animate graphics in the browser you can make and you know if you if you do it right you can like split all the different elements within an svg into separate layers and illustrator and then export them out and then you can treat them individually with your old it's just it is mind-blowing the challenge is we're not used to working with svgs at all it's a very foreign way of working with graphics because we're used to two types of graphics are the reference graphics like regular images that live in a separate file and then you just say uh image uh, URL uh, or RC, and then it's over there. So cut a hole, put that thing over there in this hole. Or you work with backgrounds where you just say, here's a box, and in the background of this box, I want you to use this image. Um, and then as a stopgap, we have these uh, icon fonts where we basically say, here's a font. The font type just happens to be a house. So don't read that because it's like a random glyph. Instead, just display the icon as it is. And then we did a bunch of workarounds. Well, SVGs allow us to tell the browser, here are all the instructions you need to draw this vector of a house. And you can use it to any size you want. You can just scale it, scale it back, make it huge, make it small. You can apply any color you want. You can make it layered. You can make it multicolored. It has all these tremendous uh, new features that we don't have. But no one's used to using them, which is crazy because SVGs were ratified in W3C in 1999. So this is not new technology. This is like ancient technology that just never came yeah. around. Um, yeah, so the course is about how to use it. How, like, basically, here's a bunch of things. Let's put them into pages. And then because this is not supported across all browsers, you need to use all this crazy shit to get them to work yeah. across all browsers. So it also has like, here's a method. And here's how to fix it. Uh, here's another method and how to fix it. And then if we combine these two, we get this other thing. But then you have to use this other thing to fix it. And then here's a command line method you can use to fix it. And then this is the other method you can use to fix it. And then sometimes you can use this. Da, 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 da. So yeah, it's just convoluted. And I'm trying to unconvolute it in this course. Yeah, Morton, uh, I understand where you're coming from. But um, the problem isn't the problem. Yeah. You know, somebody has to produce those images with that technology, and it takes a lot of work. Where taking a raster photograph—well, <laughs> I say that taking a really good raster photograph is a lot of hard work, but actually taking images compared to producing really good vector art is a lot easier. And, and whereas you, as you were saying this, it kind of struck me back. Um, the um, recent um, biography of Steve Jobs, um, where where he he bought um, was it electric light, and he had these ideas that they were going to produce really easy to use three D software, and everybody um, when they were given these tools, they would just go and make free three D yeah, um, animation. Okay, and so, it uh, basically, we currently have all these libraries. Work. With icons, um, right? Like it, Font Awesome and Iconic and all these things, right? All of those graphics are available as SVGs. Uh, you have the WordPress dash icons are available as SVGs. Uh, pretty much anything yeah. that is 
exists right now, like social media icons or anything else, already exists in some sort of library. So you don't need to be a graphic designer to do this. It's more a question of how do you take these SVGs and make them work on your site, right? Uh, you can make them yourself too. It's actually not hard. I would say once you get used to it, it's easier than making regular graphics. But you know, uh, but this uh, uh, John had a, an important question there. Um, why are SVGs uh, not? Um, uh, you can't. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to rephrase this. You can't upload an SVG into WordPress. If you go to WordPress and you try to upload an SVG, it'll be shut down. And People ask about that all the time, right? And there's, I think there's a track ticket open on it. And a lot of people are wanting to fix it. And uh, the simple answer is, as I said, an SVG is a markup file. Mm. <clears throat> it's an XML document. You can put whatever you want in that document. Like crazy shit that should not be on your site at all, under any circumstances. Uh, more importantly, unless you open the document in a code editor, you won't know what's in it. And a lot of SVGs will have uh, base64 encryption already, so to minimize them, at which point you actually have something you don't know what is, that's code base that you are putting onto your site. So it's a major, major exploit uh, possibility, uh, which is, you know, an obvious reason to prevent it. And it's not something that you can easily write a script to test for because SVGs are weird as hell when you look at them. And you can cram so much crazy stuff into them. No, it's, it's not. Saying, you just shouldn't. No, it's not a problem at all. Uh, I think SVGs live well as uh, tools for plugin developers, for designers, for the theme developers, but they shouldn't be used as basically portable graphics that you can upload into a post or page, right? I mean, more likely, I would suggest something like if you figure out a way of uploading a regular vector graphic, then you could have a process in the background, like a like a command line process that would convert it to an SVG to be displayed. That would make sense, right? Because then WordPress controls how that SVG is generated and you can make sure that it gets uh, escaped and sanitized properly so that it doesn't just output garbage. But right. the challenge is if you take the SVG as is and upload it, you're just it's 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 insane because it becomes part of the document object model. Like it does not it's not a referenced object. It lives inside the HTML alongside all the content. So whatever you cram in there will just be rendered by the browser yeah. on the fly and you can do the most insane stuff with this. So Uh, that was actually the question he oh, answered it. Uh, and my question was, it was something that we were talking about on Twitter the other day. And I was just oh, asking yeah. him to explain why it's... Because a lot of people do ask about that, and especially, um, it, say, like end users or clients, or I would say actually like people who, who build websites, um, they often ask or they often want to add... Uh, the code to be able to upload SVGs directly into the media library yeah. just for easy use. And basically it was just asking like, you know, explain why that's a bad idea and why you would like want to inline that or, you know, um, you know, not, not just upload them directly into the media library. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a perfectly legitimate 
desire to have to want to be able to upload SVGs into WordPress. For the most practical reason I can think is uh, you could ship a theme and then say that you can upload an SVG logo to the theme, right? And the obvious question is, why on earth can't you do this? Like, then you get a properly scalable logo that works every time. Why does it have to be a raster logo? It's stupid, right? But the answer simply is, it, it is a tremendous opportunity for people to do bad shit with your website. Uh, just... Yeah, and you were saying um, another area that I feel needs um, a lot of work is the media library itself. I, I feel it's getting a bit clunky now, um, and it needs to be the revamped. media library. Would you agree with that, Morton? <laughs> yes, you should put it. Take like a bucket and then yeah, put you it know, in the, bucket um, and then the actual media send the bucket away, away and then obtain a new bucket and then build a whole new media library. That's what should happen. But, you know, WordPress needs to be backwards compatible to 1847. So that's not going to happen. Uh, there's a lot of talk about that too. I mean, I saw a post the other day, I think on make about someone saying, you know, this needs rewriting from the ground up. The challenge, like what I've come to realize when I started uh, talking to a lot of core developers is the biggest challenge with any new feature in WordPress. And I don't think people fully understand is no change to WordPress is ever made without providing proper fallback to ancient code. And the basic reason for that is you never want someone to up, update their WordPress installation and have their site crash because of some uh, old legacy functionality. And the way that would happen is they would use a theme or a plugin or some code that sits somewhere that relies on functionality in WordPress that suddenly doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Now, that said, over the last couple of years, you have actually seen a couple of features been updated in WordPress that cause breaking changes that where uh, a function, the output of a function has changed so drastically that the if you relied on that function, it would no longer work properly. There was like the <sighs> was that the way that uh, meta no, the term meta, I think, is one of them where um, the way that relationships internally between terms got messed up. So they, re they changed that. So if you wrote a plugin that relied on that functionality, you would have to rewrite it. But the only times that so far the core team has been willing to make these breaking changes if they are very peripheral. So things that rarely happen to begin with and there are very few plugins or themes that rely on it. But when you're talking about something like the media library, there are a billion, I'm sure, probably a gazillion themes and plugins that rely, that do something with the media library. Not just in that it rely on you to be able to upload images, but they use functionality within the, the media library to do something, or they add functionality to the media library. And at that point, you need to, if you rewrite the whole thing, you then have to say, how do we capture every possible permutation of the way it used to work so that it doesn't break for that one person who's still using this old plugin from, you know, 2004 that uh, for whatever reason, because even that one person matters. And it's a really, on the one hand, it's an amazing attitude to have towards software development to say, we're not going to leave anyone stranded ever under any circumstances. But considering the scale of WordPress and the breadth of reach, it's really dangerous because, well, it's not dangerous, but it's really prohibitive to do things because uh, you, 
you really can't get anywhere. You, you run up against this, but you need backwards compatibility to things. So we can't change it without writing backwards compatibility to it. So in the end, you'll basically end up running two entirely separate media libraries, one old one and one new one, which would be insane, right? Uh, right. Yeah, we're going to go for a break, folks, yes. and we'll be back and we'll finish off. And yeah. we're before Morton dies, um, we let him go. So we'll be back in a second, folks, and we're going for our break. We're, we're coming back, folks, and um, just to finish off with our great special guest, it's much appreciated, Morton from Linda.com. So, um, Morton, how can people get hold of you if they want to find out more about yourselves? And, and um, uh, The easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. I am Morton. That's my name. That is M-O-R-1-0 or 10 because no one spells my name right ever. Um, you can also find my Linda courses at lynda.com slash Morton, uh, or you can find me on my blog at morten.com. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> it's just M-O-R-1-0, whatever. Uh, except for Instagram. For some reason, that Morten is some imposter. So on Instagram, I'm like Morten Graham or something like that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's not an imposter. Like, he doesn't try to find me. He's, he's just some other person uh, with the name Bill, Morten yeah. who's signed on to Instagram before I did. All right. <clears throat> oh, I was, I was getting hey, the best way there. is to go to Podcasters um, Home Bill, how, and you'll find my how, links how there in contact information. You, but also, my project that I'm working on is netcastschool.com. And one of the problems I have, and i got to work this out, is you got to actually register before you can see the courses. And then you can buy them. And they're cheap now. It's cheap for life, you know, and they suck, but the courses suck right now. So. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's, and guess what? The, the, you know, I had to go see he's the working on a, He's disappeared for weeks. Working <laughs> <on it. laughs> Too much time with Jonathan. Well, because the course came out real. okay. My psycho. <laughs> you know what I'm going to detail? All right. We won't delve into that. Easiest way is go to my website, lockdowndesign.com, or find me on Twitter. I'm lockdown underscore. Tell everyone how they can get a hold of you, Jonathan. Oh, they are quite easy. Just go to the WP Tonic website. Um, either go to my Twitter feed at Jonathan Denwood or just email me, folks, at Jonathan at um, WP-tonic.com and I always answer my emails. I and love I love people. people. <laughs> and please subscribe to the to the podcast. Really I love people. I love so people. people. Good. I think people do. Pardon me, what was that, Morton? Yeah, yeah, I love, I love my comments. Feedback's great. But, uh, Morton, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Morton's not been that well, but he still dragged himself out the semi-death bed to join us. He's one of our most yeah, I'll try to. He's on I'll our panel as well. I'll be in WordCamp Europe Saturday next week, week though, so nice. that ain't going uh, where, um, where is it? Where is it in Europe? In uh, Vienna. Wow. In uh, oh, Austria. Where is it? Yeah, I'm... Oh, well. I'm looking forward to it. And Beautiful I have not city, been in yep. Central Europe yet. So Beautiful city. Be, I'll go and practice my awful, awful German 
I was going to yeah, yeah severely yelled at by German people for my awful German, which is oh, uh, I cannot fully express how bad. Can <laughs> you understand Dutch very well when you're? <laughs> no, I understand some German. Yeah. It's just yeah, that I have, have the worst German teacher, so she completely ruined my ability to speak German. So I did not. Yeah, you know, you need to have. Well, you're lovely. Thank you for having me. Beautiful city. So, thank you so much for joining us, Morton. It's been great stuff. You, um, you're one of our favourite guests. And, um, folks, I just want to say something. I don't want to build Morton's um, ego too much, but um, Morton is one of these guys that um, what you see on the internet, and um, you know, he's a really great guy. What you see on the courses and here is exactly what you get when you meet. Bolton in person. He's one of the most down-to-earth German people in Always the WordPress community. And thank you for I'll so much again. for joining us, Bolton. Uh, I'm going to go lie down. You can go now, Bolton. You can go off and die All quietly right. now. Well, right, we're going to say goodbye, folks, on the pre-calling. Bye, 100. And there is more. Stay tuned for the old episode one. WP Tonic, Episode 1. I'm Bill Conrad with Jonathan Dinwood, and together, through WP Tonic, we're going to take you on a tour of WordPress you won't forget. In today's show, we're going to introduce ourselves, introduce the show, and do a deep dive into seven plugins. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. Hi there, Bill. Uh, we're going to have fun over the next few months, aren't we? We're going to talk about everything WordPress. Right. And this is going to be just a short intro show so we can get it up on the WordPress site. And then hopefully it'll be the first show on iTunes for us. Yeah, uh, we're going for it, aren't we, Bill? You've got the army, let's do it, spirit, yep. which, uh, and I'm the cynical WordPress developer stroke English person, aren't I? Yeah. And Jonathan is really the expert. And I'm the guy trying or working at applying WordPress and how to make it work within my business. Yeah, and I've, uh, it was a great combination because Bill's really into podcasting. I've wanted to do a podcast for over a year. So, and Bill wants to learn more about how to utilize WordPress for his business, online businesses. So, we thought we would combine um, ourselves together. He would learn more about WordPress and we would do a podcast. Uh, my background, my background, I spent over 20 years in a successful retail business. In my early 30s, I did a degree in multimedia computing in the UK. Um, I did that as a full-time student, but I was also running a very busy retail business. And then a year after, I decided to do a master's at the London School of Print and Design in Interactive Design. Um, which all sounds great, but actually it, it has. But I was going to say something negative there, but the experience, especially doing the Masters, was constructive. So um, in 2006, me and my American wife decided to move to America, and I decided to um, utilize my skills and knowledge full-time as a website developer and designer about in, I think, 2008, I became heavily, I was introduced to WordPress, and I've been utilizing WordPress since version 2.9, um, just before version 3. 
Um, I think it's a fantastic platform. Um, it can be frustrating. It can be extremely complicated. We're going to try and give as much knowledge and advice to you the novice wordpress user as we can and we hope to be of help very good you know a couple other things i want to talk about the format of the show the format's going to be an introduction each week sort of some of the news we're going to go into the topics the topics are going to be for example today plugins but i'm sure plugins will always be a, a major issue that we talk about or measure that we talk about they are you know they're one of the strengths of wordpress they 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 can be the achilles heel of wordpress it's it's a balance like all things wordpress um seems easy um which is its strength but underneath it's an extremely complicated piece of software and the plugins add enormous um, versatility and power to the platform but they can also be troublesome um so um, that's what we're going to cover. We're going to cover, I don't propose to dumb down what we talk about, um, but it's always going to be focused about helping that small to biz- medium-sized business owner that's looking to utilize WordPress as an online tool to help their business. Very good. And then the, the last element of the three elements of the show will be your questions. So you'll go to wp-tonic.com, and from there you'll be able to sign up for our show and also be able to leave questions. So that'll evolve. I'm really looking forward to see what Jonathan evolves with that WordPress site because he's going to be worrying that. One last thing. I want to show you where I am today. I started in 2012. I got back off my last deployment. I retired about a month later. And I started actually late 2012, December. So really I retired in 2013. And I was working with my wife's real estate company, and I I stumbled into podcasting and really fell in love with it. But after I learned how to podcast, I realized that the WordPress platform was really important, both for my wife's real estate company and her blog and my blog, as well as my podcast. So about three or four months ago, five months ago, I came last winter to the meetup here in Reno, Nevada. That's where I semi-retired to. I met Jonathan for the first time, and I think within two months, I actually had installed WordPress, and then I use uh, Genesis with Dynamic uh, for myself. I, Jonathan doesn't use that, so that's where I am today. I've really been set pushing these WordPress sites for about three months, three or four months, and if you go to my two sites there, I'm going to, this is a little advertisement for my podcast, but politicsofsuccess.com, and my big show, which is not out yet, is timelinesofsuccess.com. The page is barely up, so when you listen to this, you can sort of see the progression of those pages as they improve, and they really have improved. Politics has taken huge improvements in the last couple of weeks. And it's funny, it just takes time and work to learn WordPress. And there's some shortcuts to learning WordPress, and hiring someone like Jonathan is one of those shortcuts. And finally, as a businessman, I believe I have to learn the fundamentals of the basics, but I plan to outsource a lot of my work in the future, especially as my businesses become more profitable again. So that's where I am today. And Jonathan, do you have anything else to add to part one? No, I think um, your perspective is spot on I, I think a lot of things you can do with wordpress it depends if you've got the time and if you want to do that or you can hire people to help you there is a certain level of knowledge where it becomes so involved that unless you're planning to go in 
as a developer or de- stroke designer as a career path, you would be best just hiring people because the amount of time it would take is ridiculous. Or it's going to become a full-time yeah. hobby, that, uh, maybe, but um, there's a certain balance. You know what? This will be a great discussion for future episodes yeah. because we can talk about the business aspects, how you set up a business and how you might manage a business. I'm looking at how to do that and it's difficult for me to understand what to hire out and what not to so we'll definitely be talking about the applications and the complexities because it's really I call it I work in the new media business but new media needs that platform and that WordPress platform and it's it's a complex set of tools so without further ado Jonathan why don't we get into part two yes the seven plugins that I almost put on any client's website so there's always a group of plugins which um, basically I put on 99% of clients' websites that I'm working on. And um, they're a mixture of the free and the paid for, the premier um, level of plugin. I'm going to start with number one. Number one is a paid for plugin, a premier plugin, and it's called Gravity Forms. Now, Gravity Forms, I would say, is the kind of Rolls Royce of form building plugin systems. There are other choices, free, some excellent free choices. But if you um, have a business website and you have a lot of forms on that website, multiple page forms, um, various forms, and if you have a large, a reasonable size website, you normally do have a lot of forms. Um, utilizing gravity forms is going to save you a lot of time and frustration Um, for a single site website the price is quite reasonable for a personal license which will allow you to utilize the plugin for one website is $39 so I don't think that's really a large amount of money um, and you'll be able to it has almost all the functionality of the plugin for that price level and you get one year's updates and support so I think it's a good buy for that price level um, they have other licenses but um, you can just start at $39 and it will um, save you an enormous amount of time and frustration Jonathan, I want to ask a quick question because I've had to go through this form concept. I've got Mail Server. In fact, right now I'm using MailChimp. I hope to change it. But I went out and just used the MailChimp form right now. But everyone told me when I was just going blogging that Gravity Forms was the thing to use. So how difficult is it to really plug in and use Gravity Forms? Is it easier like in the MailChimp plugin? plugin? Well, the two work together, actually, Bill. You at the $39 price, unfortunately, I've, I'm not totally sure if I'm correct on this, but I do think they do do a plugin that actually works with their main plugin. But I think at the $39 mark, you have to pay a small additional fee to have access to that plugin. And this sub plugin slots in with their main plugin, which then will communicate with your free MailChimp. Um, set up right 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 it's, there's also it, it, a number of free ones that right. will actually communicate um, unfortunately with MailChimp um, there's some additional paid MailChimp plugins um, that I the people that are offering them offer a free um, level but you find that they're very cut down 
they're frustrated and you have to buy at okay. the premium level and then they will communicate with your gravity forms. Okay, I do have one more question on gravity forms. Can I hire a developer like you? Two more questions. I always do this. Two more questions. Can I hire a developer like you to put gravity forms on my site? Just come on, put it on, and get it set up, and then can I manage it? Of course, yeah. but be quite true. Is it your license, your developer license? Yes, I have a, I have a full developer, which cost me $199. So I don't have to buy it if I hire you to put it on my WordPress site? No, my license allows me to put it on multiple websites. So I can just go to you, give you a password, put it on, sort of tweak it out. Yeah. It's going to cost more than $39 for the, to do that. But, oh, yes, of course. But it's not a bad way to get something done quickly no. as you evolve. No. And then the other thing, I have seven sites right now. And I, my 14-year-old daughter, we're learning WordPress this summer. That's her job. Should I buy that developer? Is that cheap labor, Bill? It's better than a VA, <laughs> virtual assistant. <laughs> I have two smart girls, 12 and 14. I'm really blessed. So that's another story. But should I buy the developer license? It's really dependent on your business goals. You know, if you're going to run multiple websites um, and those websites are business focused or it's a major hobby, hobby business or just totally business focused, you've got multiple websites and they're business focused. I would say probably and you have the budget. Uh, yes, okay, I thanks. would buy the development license if you're dealing with multiple websites. Well, I appreciate it. And next week, I may have some more detailed questions on this yeah. one plugin. So thanks, Jonathan. I get on to two. Sorry about that. We, I think this is what the show is going to be about. I think about it's great problems. because I think you have the perspective of a dedicated new user. So I think um, our audience will find your questions really helpful because they're the type of questions that they're thinking and they would ask themselves. So number two. Number two is Updraft Plus. There are a lot back. I'm going to move back a little bit here. Backup. Backup is extremely important. Um, You never really understand how crucial backup is until something happens to your site and you can't retrieve it. And it normally happens at the worst moment possible. Um, the most inconvenient and the most cost costly moment. So having a backup that you can pretty much rely on and retrieving your website is a real saviour of time and frustration. Um, there are a number of premier and free backup solutions all of them are pretty good but finally um, and also there are hosting providers that specialize in wordpress that also offer automatic backup uh, and retrieval systems one of those is wp engine a very good hosting provider that specializes only in wordpress but also a lot of people just want to use a reasonably quality general hosting provider and um, you need to sort out your own backup then and one of the best the one i use now all the time is a one called updraft plus so that's number two updraft plus professional well it's just up no it's a very interesting concept actually because almost all the functionality almost all the functionality comes with the free version 
of Updraft Plus. Okay. It's not really cut down at all. So you can just go to WordPress.org um, in the plugin search, just put Updraft Plus and download the free version and it literally it will do the job for you um, and a lot of its power is not cut down it's not one of these free versions where you find almost all the functionality that you really want to use is in the premier version he d- the developer does offer a premier version and that premier version does have functionality which you might find useful i bought the license because i wanted to support the developer and some of that extra functionality was useful to me the um you can buy additional sub plugins for very very small amounts from the developer's website or you can buy a full premier license which is only 60 dollars and that gives you access to all the sub plugins and i just bought the 60 dollars i also like to point out that the developer offers excellent and i mean excellent support um some of the best support i've ever come across from a a one-man developer and i think he's developed a really fantastic product so for updraft plus where does it actually save the backup right that's an excellent question bill um you've got various options that's one of the nice things about this plugin you can save it directly to your server that's hosting the site which i would recommend that you don't that's the least best option i would suggest you can um, save it to a dropbox folder i would suggest that's the most easiest and most secure you can set up a dropbox for free and it would give you two gigabytes of free space which is a very large amount of free space how big is the backup well that depends on your site really that's a very hard one to give a reply to what's the biggest backup you've seen i'm i'm not going to answer that because fundamentally um if it becomes too big this particular product is not suitable because um if you're dealing with a very very large website you wouldn't utilize this product you would probably go to wp engine and you would utilize their backup system but for the average website owner that our podcast designed that bill i think and if you're not utilizing something like wp engine i think this plugin being that most of its functionality is available for free is a perfect solution for our our audience so um that's why i probably won't answer that question because i think when you get into a large website you wouldn't really utilize this plugin you know, Jonathan, I'm just looking at the time, and I could ask a lot of questions on each of these plugins. I'm going to hold a little bit because you've got to get through the next three or four, five, yeah. in the next three or four minutes. Well, I think we've got a little bit longer. but Okay, we, we, well, we've got some questions yeah. to the end. I might ask a couple, but yeah. this is really good. Yeah, so we'll go on to number three, which is Advanced Image Styles. Um, with version 3.9 and 3.91 of WordPress, um, there were some changes and some really excellent changes that have improved wordpress once again but there were also some changes some decisions um, to remove some functionality 
and um, one of the one of the things that were removed was the ability to put space around your image and it, in technical talk it's called padding and like you could select an image in in the editor of wordpress on a page or post and you would want the text to wrap around the left side or if the image was placed on the right you would want text to wrap around on the right side but as you put the image in the text would be up against the edge of the image so if you wanted some white space around the image you could click the image and then there would two there would be two icons that would appear wow you would select one of the icons and that would give you the ability um, to put a number in which would be pixel based and that would put some padding some space around your image well when they did the upgrade they removed that functionality because the actual code that's produced in the background isn't that great it's i won't say it's terrible code but it's not fantastic code so they decided um um for understandable reasons they wanted not their system to produce um awful code and awful is the wrong word not fantastic code put it that way and the parent company of wordpress the company that the organizer is a company called automatic which is based in it's a diversified company but its headquarters is in san francisco decided to remove this well it did upset a few a lot of people because it's something that a lot of people rely on to do a quick job when they're putting their image in so auto, one of the engineers of automatic um, made a plugin which enables you to put this functionality back into the system and it's called advanced image styles so if you go to wordpress.org and in the plugin search you put in advanced image styles you will find this plugin and it's a free plugin and it will install this functionality i know i can follow if i listen to this i think if you installed the plugin and you read the yep. notes you don't quite bill when i post on the blog a picture and it says right left or center on the blog so if i right click the picture on just the blog that you don't, i up. think i was incorrect it's not right click you just I mean, click, click on when you I just right click on the picture, picture you get a couple of icons and so the plugin kicks in automatically you click on the picture two icons appear and wow. i think you choose one of the icons and then a menu appears and you've got the selection okay of padding. i will try that yeah uh, you know we're in the middle and i know we have to go on but one thing that i've done on my sites is limit the number of plugins I have and just get my sites up and build them and get them going. My timelines of success and politics of success, and they're doing okay because I've always been scared about too many plugins crashing my sites or having... It's a difficult question because um, the average website I deal with, I do end up with about 29 plugins. Wow. How do you ever maintain those and protect them? They... Don't have a lot of trouble. Um, most of the clients, I maintain the websites for them. So every month, you know, if there's an upgrade, a security patch, um, I also upgrade the plugins. It's not quantity, it's quality. That's the issue. You know, but, you know, as you do get more plugins, you can get conflict between plugins. But you can't have it both ways because these plugins provide a lot of functionality that would cost you an enormous amount of money if you had to get in a skilled php 
engineering. Right. I understand exactly where I am today. I understand what you're saying. You know, so you're getting plugins for free or or at very low cost. But, you know, depending on how the plugin is coded, the reputation of the plugin developer, you know, you know, having a lot of plugins can slow down your website. But if they are coded correctly and there's not direct conflict and they they observe the recommendations of automatic when it comes to actually coding a plugin they shouldn't be a problem okay very good so we go on to number four which is tiny mce advance with version 3.9 that's one of the main upgrades because basically as the visual editor um, wordpress utilizes tiny mce Tiny MCE is a open source project that provides a visual editor for various content management systems and WordPress is a content management system and it utilizes Tiny MCE as its visual editor and with version 3.9 they up they um Tiny MCE introduced up and with version 3.9 WordPress upgraded to the latest version Tiny MCE Advance upgrades the standard version and in, and gives more choices and more functionality. And the reason why I normally um, utilize this plugin is that it gives a couple options that are very very useful to business owners. Um, it, I normally when I set it up, I just utilize a couple of the options, but a couple of those options, and then I show the the business owner how to utilize those options but they are very useful okay so five number five has a very long-winded name unfortunately it's called black studio tiny mce widget that is a mouthful isn't it bill yes it is um but i think do we talk about this we talked about this last night a little bit at the wordpress yes. meetup in reno nevada yes we did um but i i have found it's a very useful little um, plugin for my business for my clients basically widgets widgets is another thing that we're probably going to be talking a lot about over the coming months and widgets are, are areas of your wordpress site where you can utilize plugins and drag them into a widget area and they will show up and utilize widget areas for various things on your website um, the normal text widget that comes with wordpress is very good it hasn't got a fantastic interface so you normally can only type in text if you want to make the text bold or if you want to put a little picture you want to put a picture from your library into that widget area you you literally have to find the code the html code and actually paste that into the normal widget area that comes the text widget area that comes with WordPress, and it's just a little bit awkward. If you install this plugin, you get a similar editor than you get with your normal page and post that's available for your widget areas. It's almost a duplicate, and my clients find it so much easier and so much better, Bill. Yep. By the way, we're here at The Collective in downtown Reno, Nevada, which we'll talk about shortly, but we have to expedite because our studio time's about to finish yeah. up. And then well, number six is SEO WordPress Yoast. Um, 
there are a number of SEO plugins for WordPress. WordPress is compared compared to some of the other very popular content management systems, very SEO friendly. But out of the box, it still has some improvement. And um, SEO WordPress by Yoast is one of the most popular. SEO plugins. It's free. It does offer a premier version, which really um, is focused in offering um, premier support. It's a very, very good SEO plugin, but you must understand that it's doing a lot of work, a lot of things to your WordPress site. Compared to some of the other plugins that I've discussed, it's it's really changing your theme and and the structure of your WordPress site quite dramatically. So you must be aware what it's doing. I, I do want to ask a quick question about uh, WordPress SEO Yoast. I have Genesis for the theme, and then I've got a sister. I Can got- I intervene, Bill? You're not totally correct there. Um, Genesis is a framework. Excuse me. Genesis, uh, this is why I need Jonathan's help. What would be the theme? Is the theme... Dynamic? Yes. And then Genesis has a little tiny theme on top of it you can use, right? You have WordPress Core, you have Genesis, the framework, right. and then you have one of Studio Press, who are the parent company of Genesis. They provide a number of child themes. Your um, Genesis is a framework, is a master theme, mm-hmm. and then you have child themes, which Studio Press provides and i do have dynamic is what i dynamic is their latest all embracing very you know it's an amazing piece of technology and and someday we'll have mike in here hopefully to talk about dynamic he He seems to be the expert he loves it doesn't he hey can i finish up with seven the number seven but i have to have power press by blueberry PowerPress, B-L-U-E-B-E-R-R-Y, I believe. That's by far what everyone uses in podcasting to run their feed to and to show up on your site. That's what little little arrow you click on. So if you notice, when I talk, it's it's more user-based and less technical. Jonathan is really the technical expert. So hopefully I can break his technology approach down into people like me understanding those things a little bit faster. But I think this is going to work well. This is our first show, and we're actually going in about 25, 30 minutes here, which is longer than I expected. For our first show, I think it's going to turn out okay. I think we've got a lot of value here, and hopefully um, our audience will feel that way as well. There's a lot of aspects to talk about. As it becomes more crucial to your business, the need to understand the fundamentals is important. Doesn't even, even if you decide to have a developer like myself, a designer stroke developer, that's one of the other confusing things. I would call myself a marketer stroke designer developer. I'm capable of going more in depth than maybe some other marketer but I wouldn't call myself a a WordPress engineer Um, a WordPress engineer is somebody and there are some of those at at the Reno Collective that only deal with PHP code day after day they don't deal with the interface or the marketing issues or some of the other broader issues they only want to deal with with plugins and PHP code. But I call those type of individuals pure WordPress engineers. Um, The Reno Collective, owned by six individuals um, that all uh, make their living in the high-tech industry. Either they're high-level coders, um, iPhone app developers, but they all have a technical 
background and they um, provide this facility this is where my office is and I utilise the conference and it's a great community and it's very supportive of the tech industry in Reno isn't it Bill? Yes and I concur and what I'm going to say is for next week without further ado I think Jonathan we need to wrap this first show up and I just want to say come on England come on England we're going to win the World Cup folks you do know that don't you you're talking about soccer Foot, real football our show is going to go international so when you're when you come and visit Reno and you're from England stop in oh I just dream about England playing that final against Brazil and that they win and they got the trophy in their hands. Very good. That's enough. We're going to put this up first. I'm the podcast guy, so I'm running the podcast side. It will go up first as a soft launch on the website when Jonathan finishes the website. Or gets he's, only putting, he's only putting a slight pressure on me, folks. It's not hard. I could, Jonathan, I'm a newbie. I could get this up like today in my little site. I just love that. I, I had a client recently said to me, and it's one of the most complicated sites I've ever built. And she turned around to me and she said, it's only WordPress, Jonathan. And I just smiled back sweetly. And that's the, what I'm going to do with you, Bill. The okay, smile okay. back week. The he's, so, he's being so polite today. I, I've been really very nice to Bill. <laughs> very, 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 very nice. We're, and our sound is going to get better and better. I might even leave in some of the stuff. Folks, Aloha. bye. <laughs> <laughs>